Good morning and welcome to the 101 podcast. This is Becky. So why is it just Becky? Well, because Becky's driving to work and we haven't published in a while and life is insane for both of us. So I thought I'd put a quick episode out there. Um, once again, just to let you know that we love this podcast and it's not going to die off, but our lives are absolutely chaotic at the moment here in mid-April 2022. So I'm just gonna gonna talk for a little while and I will say I'm I'm not a podcaster. I'm color commentary at best. So this is gonna be a short one. Um, but I want to I want to pick a topic that I think makes sense because I feel I've become somewhat of an uh, subject matter expert on the topic of Damon. So, um, he did an episode about me months and months ago, which was really nice. And I, I won't compare to that because I don't know how to be a nice human being, but I did want to talk about Damon because I miss him and I haven't seen him in a while because we haven't recorded together in a while. So full context there. So Damon again, kind of joined the improv team after running into us at the park and, you know, having had some improv experience, he decided to go down that path and, and do it just kind of as a side hobby, which blew up into a a full time, I want to say full time, but a, a more regular hobby once the team started performing. So that was, you know, more than half a decade ago. And here we sit today, um, We've got a podcast, he and I, and the team is performing once every four to six weeks and things are just nuts in that realm. Um, But I remember meeting Damon and we were in the park and this was early on in the LMR days. Like, I don't even think we were performing yet. No, we weren't. So I'm in this park, I'm doing improv and it's the worst, worst decision I think I've ever made because... When you do improv with adults, it gets inappropriate unless you're doing it like with a church group. And even then it's going to go downhill. So at a public park, I I think I was smart enough to post a few signs around about what we were doing, less to keep the kids away and more to tell people what the hell we were doing so they could feel comfortable approaching. But overall, just public improv is a nightmare because people interact, people stop and watch because they think it's a performance and it was just a game night. It was just a few hours to play improv games without me having to shell out money to rent a space because these were the early days. I was renting civic center basements and spaces inside of other businesses and fucking going in the hole every time because of the lack of attendees. I charged three to five bucks a head and it just, it wasn't covering the cost for me. So I found a public park and just did it without a permit, ran into Damon. He came up, uh, we chatted. And then I remember him actually attending another one at the park later on and being just like blown away by how good he was. Um, and it's, it's funny for me to have been the one hosting these game nights. I have no more improv experience going into the last minute replacements than anyone else on the team. In fact, quite a bit less than some members of the team. So I just wanted to do improv in a way that made sense to me. So all I would do is just come up with some games, whether I knew them myself or found them online. 
I charged a low dollar amount for it and didn't, it was basically me trying to force strangers to play games, which is the dream. That's the dream. My biggest dream is getting trapped somewhere like at a hotel or on a cruise ship with a bunch of strangers and forcing them because they have no other options. I want to be their last minute, last resort option for entertainment because I know that even if you're forced to play improv, it's fantastic. It's fun. I'll make it fun. God damn it. So anyway, I was doing this. It was chill. It was fun. Damon was really good. And I was I was really thankful. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. I don't have, know how to edit from my phone. I was thrilled when he started coming around more because it was clear he had more experience. And there were a few people on the team that had more experience than me. My extent of improv was having attended game nights, having done it as warm-ups in theater throughout high school, and having attended a couple other improv events throughout the area that sucked, like full-on sucked. So that was it. And then Damon came and, and Mike and, and a couple other people that, that helped to build the team from the ground up. So I just remember thinking, oh, this guy has my brand. Like, this guy has my brand. Because, you know, I'll talk about the other people on the team because I love them as well. So Mike had done improv at Christian College. He's he's not someone you meet and think, oh, he's so Christian. He, he doesn't wear that on his sleeve at all. Um, in fact, I don't even know if he still identifies that way. But his, his improv was very technical. It was very, um, it was clear that he had studied improv and had watched a bazillion episodes of Whose Line Is It Anyway. He's still funny. He's still dark. He's still inappropriate. But he he definitely goes for the physical comedy more and a little bit more of the, um, like I said, like the technical improv. There's another guy on the team, Rowdy, who just does a lot of really big characters. Um, so he'll go dark. He'll go sexual as well. But it's more character-driven improv. Um, and very physical as well. So, um, and that's, those are the people that were around for the founding of the team. I won't talk about the other team members, even though I love them as well. So then Damon came in and there was nobody else in the crew like him or me. I was always, I kind of, I kind of have the market covered in like rape jokes, like not to brag, but I'm really good at that. Um, but even early on, I could tell there was just a, a darkness inside of David because he would tell these jokes. And I, I think initially he was kind of holding back until he got to know me a little better. And, and I think I was holding back back then too, because we weren't performing yet. We were just doing game nights. I'll say anything for a laugh, but I was also still trying to build the brand and trying to get, I was trying to be mass appealing because I wanted more people to do improv with us. So I knew there was something in there. And then as we did more and more together, as far as, um, game nights, and then we started rehearsing for shows and then performing shows, I was smitten and not smitten in the kind of way where you want to take someone down the back of your throat. I was smitten in a way where I was like, this is like, this is my brand of person. And I so rarely run into that because there's, there's facets of Damon's personality that I, I see in a lot of people, but I don't see all of the facets in really anyone except my husband. So Damon has the filthy inappropriate sense of humor. Like Damon talks about masturbation more than I talk about sucking dick. And 
That's a lot, especially considering that he's in a happy, sexually healthy marriage. But he talks about that so much and so filthy and he uses the best terminology for it. It's great. It's great. So, but what you don't often see with a dark inappropriate person is the balance of being really intelligent. Um, I do think that there's a level of intelligence required in order to be a funny person. Um, I think that's absolutely required. I don't think a dumbass could play clever as an actor or a comedian. Um, but the level of intelligence that Damon and, and honestly that Dan have, it, it blows my mind sometimes because it's not just technical intelligence in terms of like, they know things, they know how to do math or whatever. They and Damon particularly, cause I'm not here to do an episode about my husband. Nobody wants to hear that rambling. Um, Damon just, you know, that he knows a lot about a lot. He knows a lot about a lot of different topics. He's well studied. He's always up to date on the news. He can pick a political topic and just know the arguments on both sides. And so he has me outranked there by miles. And I appreciate that both as a friend and as a podcast slash improv like co-producer he brings the level of intelligence up on both our podcast and our team by miles from where it is because I'm funny, but I ain't smart. Not that way. So it, it kind of started to blow me away to see that, that those two things could coexist. I knew they could because I married that same balance. Um, but it, it is just really nice to have that on the team because nobody else on the team brings that. And certainly Becky Sue does not bring that to the podcast. So he's got the filth and he's got the intelligence. He also is a, a wordsmith in the realm of like, you could tell talking to him that he majored in English in college. Like you just know it. And he's not snooty about it, which I appreciate because there's nothing worse than like a grammar corrector, even though you're not going to correct my grammar. My grammar is great, but he, nobody wants to be around that kind of person. But with Damon, you just, you know that he is crafting what he says. It doesn't just fall out of his face like a belch, like it does for me. So you have all of those aspects. And then you have the fact that he's an asshole, which is the cherry on top. Because he's simultaneously, I don't know how he does it, because I would love to find this balance. Simultaneously a total asshole, but also a really good person. So I think, and I come from a unique perspective because he is one of my best friends. I don't know if I'm one of his best friends, but he's definitely in my like top five people that I, I take a bullet for, um, and people that I go to, to talk through my shit. Um, but he, oh my God, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, (laughs) he's, uh, I'm just going to start over. Okay. He, Okay, he's not a, he's kind of an asshole but kind of a nice person. There we go. Good job, Becky. Don't do this at 7 a.m. when you haven't had coffee yet. Um He has that balance because when you talk to him, you know that he cares about the right things, but he's also going to give it to you straight. And I think that that's something I've been missing personally from a lot of friendships over the years. I think I've built a lot of loyal friendships because I'm loyal. And I think that often, not always, but often 
maybe not even often, sometimes loyalty turns into, you know, loyalty back. Um, but what doesn't always come with loyalty is truth. And if I'm being a fucking asshole or if I'm saying something that crosses a line, like really truly crosses a line, he will say something to me. And that has caused me to recognize a friendship level that I haven't really gotten to experience very often because, you know, there's levels to friendship. And I feel like initially you get the, Hey, we chat kind of friendship. Maybe it's a colleague or whatever we talk, but you know, we don't hang out. And then you get the hangout friendships where you might have a drink, go out to dinner now and then. Um, and again, it's, it's more of a talking friendship and that's it. Um, and then you get the deeper level friendship where you actually have real discussion. You talk about what's going on in your marriage, what's going on with your kids. You know, maybe you get into some of your childhood stuff. That's a still relatively deep friendship. And I think we'd all be lucky to have that level. But to me, like the next level is being able to look someone in the eye and say, I love you, but you're being a dick. I love you, but I don't support this decision you're making because I care about you. And that's the level of friendship that Damon has given me that I hope I provide back. And it, it's, it's funny because Damon's the first to say I'm an asshole. He's the first to call himself a dick and he doesn't, you know, have any compunctions about saying that because I guess he is kind of a dick. If you want to on the, on the dick rating scale, he's pretty high. Okay. (laughs) But it comes at least in, in my relationship with him, it comes from a place of real realism, I guess. He's, he's a dick when he has to be. He's also one of the greatest human beings that I've ever met. Like he is consistently there for me. I mean, for fuck's sake, when we moved out of our old house, and I think I've mentioned this before, but we moved unexpectedly because we were looking to move. We gave our notice, our landlord accepted the notice and then changed her mind last minute. So we were left to do in four days. I think it was what we had planned to be able to do over the course of two weeks. So we had to get an entire house emptied out. And I'm not talking just the basic furniture and clothes. We have a lot of stuff between a lot of Dan's hobbies and the tools he uses for cars and all of those things. So we, we had to rush and we had no money because of the move and because of our landlord doing some shady shit with, with our deposit. So I had nobody, I had no way to get the hell out of my house in time to get to this new house, which is my dream house. And we're still here. Damon showed up and he has like back injuries. Like he, he not only showed up and helped us move stuff, he showed up for days and he made the 50 minute round trip from our old house to our new house multiple times on his dime helping us. And I know that's just a one-time event. It was over the course of a couple days. It's, you know, anybody can do that theoretically. You know, you, you can hire movers to do that. I'm not saying that he donated a kidney, right? But in reality, that, that is kind of how it felt because when I tell you the emotional and physical state that Dan and I were in throughout that move. Not only do you have the emotional stress of moving, which is the fucking worst, but then you also have the fact that we had been going 18 to 20 hours a day for days at this point, And there was just so much to do. And when Damon showed up, our house was, it looked like we had barely done anything. 
and we had we had at this point taken multiple carloads over and packed up multiple boxes and there was just so much our basement was full and he not only helped us pack he helped us disassemble furniture he helped us pack it into the moving van his wife stood and directed where we put everything so that because we weren't good at this like it and I don't want to say his wife Laura is a dear friend of ours I love her as much I could do a whole episode about her and how much I love her as well so don't get it twisted but this this is about Damon so I love you Laura but um you know they and Damon particularly did both of them really did so fucking much to help us and honestly they could have just been like dude I got I got four hours for you I'm sorry they gave up basically almost an entire week for us because we knew we had to be out. I mean, our landlord was showing up and texting and calling and saying, we're charging you more for staying and you didn't meet the midnight deadline. And even though I'm not coming over at midnight, I know you still have a box in the living room. So we're charging you for another day. And it was just, the finances were piling up. The amount of injuries we had sustained, I had blisters on my feet. My back was killing me. I was crying constantly. It was, it was easily one of the most stressful weeks of our lives by, by miles. So for him to have been there for that is the kind of thing that you don't ever forget. You, you can have ups and downs in your friendships and things can, can move and shake over the years, but you do not forget when somebody sacrifices all of their time, all of their physical energy and all of their income to help you get through something shitty. So for all of the jokes and the dick jokes and the, the pretend flirting we do on the podcast and all of that shit, it, it's, it's built on a foundation of, of something actually real. And I can't even express how thankful I am to have him as a friend. So, you know, he said in the episode about me that I'm, you know, the kind of ride or die person, like I will be there for you no matter what. And that is the truth. Um, that is also a character flaw of mine where I'm kind to people that don't deserve it. Um, I'm, I'm there for people that would never be there for me back. I do things for people that they don't reciprocate. It is just how I am and it is not good. It's probably born out of a self-esteem issue that I don't care to address. Um, so yeah, I am that way, but I shouldn't be that way. I mean, so much so that Dan mentioned it in his vows that I'm too nice to people. Um, but when Damon is nice to you, it's not, it's not out of obligation and it's not out of just, you know, needing to be nice to people to keep them around. He literally is like, he, you know, he cares if he's showing that he cares. And I think I appreciate that so much. So when I, when I make friends with someone or when I'm, when I work with someone, I try to keep notes in my head and I do actually have a Google doc that I fill in now and then, but I try to keep, keep notes about what I've learned from that interaction. So I have, I have notes from my old bosses and things that they taught me. It could be, you know, different little tips as low as, you know, how to, how to put paper in an envelope is one of the things that started my list, um, that, that made my life easier in that role. Um, all the way up to big life-changing tips and habits and approaches to things that I, that I want to learn from. So with Damon, the things that I've learned are to be real with people and to trust that the friendship will survive being real to a point that 
it'll it'll continue. I mean, I tend to go too far. I'm either I shut my mouth and don't say what I need to say, or I say too much and just blow the friendship up. I mean, I I probably block long-term friends. I, I block at least one person a year, somebody that I've been friends with for like five to ten years. I just get sick of it. I say the wrong thing, or I, I, I snap because I was holding in, and then I just tell them off. Um, but with Damon, I think that I'm learning that there is a balance between being yourself, but still kind of being true to what you need to say to the person that you're friends with. And I'm sorry, this highway is really loud. I'm sorry. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Um, the other, the other aspect, you know, to Damon that I think has, has been one of, one of the things that I absolutely love is I've said that I've said it before that he is one of the top two funniest people I have ever met in my life, hands down by miles. And so he's hilarious. I, I love it whenever I'm in a scene with him. We have two people on our team that make all of the set lists for our improv shows. And if I don't get a scene with me and Damon, and I don't care who else is in the scene, but as long as Damon and I are in the scene, if I don't get that scene, I'm about 90% less enthusiastic about going into a show. Because every time we do a scene, it's gold. And every time I do a scene with him, I know that it's going to go well. We've never bombed a scene. And I know that's a lot to say, and it's hard for me to say because it sounds cocky. But I know that he's going to pull his weight on stage. He's going to make me look good. He's going to give me opportunities to, to do what I do best. And I'm going to make him look good. It's just, it's me at my very best on stage. But outside of improv, there's obviously the other top two funniest people I've ever met is Dan, my husband, who, despite all the shit talk, I adore. So when Damon and Dan get in the same room, it, I'm a talkative person. I don't think I show just how talkative I am on the podcast because when I'm in the room with someone who's absolutely hilarious, sometimes what I do is riff and kind of, you know, go back and forth with them. And sometimes what I do is just sit back and enjoy the show. I'm usually the funniest one in the room. I know that sounds really cocky to say, but I say the shit people don't want to say, and I'm a, kind of a loud mouth. So it's not often that I get to sit back and just be in the presence of funny. So when Damon and Dan get together, I get to turn it all off. I get to just sit back and watch the magic happen. And it's... Sometimes I will engage. I will say that. It's not always just the Damon and Dan show. But sometimes it is. And when it happens, it is gold. And I really would love to just creepily and secretly and illegally just film their conversations. Because what they end up doing is it's like it's a smart. Okay. It's like two smart people talking about something. And I've I've sat there and listened to them talk about like some tool that they both use to do something around the house. That's as much as I could pay attention. Sorry. It was really boring, but they were talking about something boy. And then as they're talking, they were just riffing on the thing. So it didn't feel like a comedy bit. Like when Damon and I talk, it's a comedy bit and it's real. And it's us. It's us using our real funny, you know, personalities, but 
it's a bit and we're funny as shit and that's why we started recording it but when Dan and Damon talk it's it's just woven into the conversation in a very organic way and they're both just I don't want to say giggling because I don't want to emasculate these two very masculine men but they giggle and it's adorable and it's funny and there have been times where we've kind of I don't want to say double dated but like Damon and Laura have gone out with Dan and I whether they were over at our house or we went out to dinner or whatever and Laura and I just kind of sit back and observe and it's it's adorable they're both so funny and Dan doesn't have a lot of friends in general because he's very introverted and he he has hobbies that you just they're not social hobbies but when Damon is around it's like the best side of Dan comes out because he is absolutely hilarious he's very interesting and he's fun to talk to and of course so is Damon so the two of them in a room is just absolute gold so I love it I love if I could just put a reality TV show on where Damon, Laura, Dan, and I live together. Um, it would ruin our friendship because I'm the fucking worst to live with, but my God, would it be fucking amusing the whole way down the staircase where we land at the bottom covered in bruises. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the basis of, of what I love about him as a person and as a co-host. I just, I really was hesitant coming into this podcast. I really was. Um, I'll do anything for Damon. I'll do anything for the people that I love. If someone says, I have an idea that I'd like to execute and I want your help to execute it. If I feel like it's something I can reasonably do, I'm in. And if I don't have the skills, I'll find you someone that can. Um, I thought, you know, we would do maybe 20 episodes and he'd get bored with it because, you know, people move on, they get busy, they get other projects. Um, so I didn't think much of it. And then I was nervous about the ability to get through, you know, 30 to 60 minutes of a conversation just because I'm, I'm a sprinter. I am a sprinter. I can do bits and I can do pieces and I can do commentary, but I I don't know. I'm not really one to, to get on a stage for a long time. There's a reason I do improv and not theater. I can do theater, but my Lord, does it take everything out of me? So with the podcast, I came in thinking, "Mm, this is going to be, it'll be a fun experiment for, you know, the few days that it lasts. Um, but it's, it's, it's a short lived experiment. Um, and here we are two years later, and almost a hundred episodes later and Damon can pick a random ass topic. We could literally just open the dictionary and point to a word and he would somehow find a way to do not 30, not 60, but 90 minutes on it. And the weirdest part of it with him being the funniest person is that he usually finds something of actual value to add to the discussion. I'm over here telling dick jokes and just like rehashing the same cock-sucking stories that I have because I'm nothing if not, you know, old and worn out. But he's, you know, he's putting something of value into these episodes and it's it's more than just, you know, a hobby. It's become something that I'm really proud of being part of. So, 
I'm glad I met Damon. I'm thrilled beyond anything that he joined LMR and, and founded LMR. He didn't join it. it. It didn't exist prior to the uh, those of us four core members creating it with others that have come and gone. Um, but the podcast as well. I'm just, I'm proud to do anything with Damon. He could literally be like, hey, I'm starting a home health care business. I'd be like, all right, I'm in. Like, it could be the most random of things. I'll figure it out. I'm a ride or die for Damon. And I'm not a ride or die for a whole lot of people in the true sense. I'll be there for you. But if I hate you, I block you. Um, eventually. I don't, I don't see that happening with him. So I'm lucky to have him as a friend. Dan is lucky to have him as a friend. I, I think we should hang out more than we do because life gets in the way. But for what we do get, I'm freaking thrilled. So I hope you guys do enjoy this podcast. I know that it's been a while. It will be back. I just, it, it just can't die. Neither of us will let it die. Um, but I'm proud to be on it. And I'm glad that Damon took his insane idea of making a podcast about nothing, picking a topic and just going on about it. I'm glad that he took that idea and actually turned it into reality. I never, never would have done this. And now I hope it never ends. So I love you, Damon. I don't know if you listened to this whole thing. I don't know if anybody did because the fidelity on the audio of this is hot garbage. Um, but I'm not re-recording it because that would require effort and that I don't have. This has been an episode of... That's not how we end. This has been a BCDE production. Oh, why do you put up with me?